Hello everybody and welcome to the Kane Rinse Podcast Volume 5, Issue 220, uh, Rage. Uh, can you believe I used to be a professional rugby player? Uh, I didn't, but that's a quote. That's that's the only quote I could find from Rage online. <laughs> Play along with Kane Rinse Volume 5, uh, Gunstar Heroes, The Legend of Zelda, Majora's Mask, and its 3D iteration, uh, Titanfall, topical, Jamestown, colon, The Legend of the Lost Colony, and Golden Axe. <laughs> Head to canerinse.com for articles, features, reviews, and links to our forum, Facebook page, and YouTube channel. If you enjoy what we do, there are a number of ways in which you can support us. We have a Patreon, but there's no content hidden behind paywalls or anything like that. If you don't wish or aren't able to contribute, everything that we produce will still be free and available to all. However, if you feel the hours of podcasts that we produce for your listening pleasure are worth something financial in return, you can now donate $1 or more if you wish per month, which will help us out to keep on going. The link to that is at patreon.com forward slash cane and rinse or just google it if you prefer to get something tangible in return for your hard-earned cash check out our shop where you can support the podcast by purchasing cane and rinse t-shirts and bags each purchase nets us a couple of quid let's just google that spreadshirt cane and rinse uh, please also check your video games music podcast sound of play please review rate and subscribe to both of our podcasts on itunes stitcher radio and tune in ah oh, i love doing that bit <laughs> right, so this is Rage, uh, 2011's Rage. Um, you know, a single-worded title from id Software in, in the first-person genre was, um, you know, enough to excite any fan of the development studio, you know, who had had a, a great run of games. And, uh, you know, the, the future of this one was, was exciting and, uh, you know, the unknown. It was a brand-new IP. It was, it was in development for a little while. I, I, re- I remember the... Um, the Tech 5 tech demo thing being shown. I don't think Rage had a name at that point, but it was at um, a Mac kind of convention and John Carmack was on stage and he was he was you know, demoing what Tech 5 does and the mega textures and the, the cars and the guy with the funky hat in his little cave. And it was like, yeah, this game looks wicked. And he's like looking at a fly and it looked really good. And, uh, you know, it, it seemed to be... Back then, uh, uh, the older I get, right, the, the the quicker games come around. Like, I can't believe Doom 2016 is upon us, like, already, mm-hmm. <laughs> but by the time this podcast comes out. But back when I was waiting for games to come out, it seemed to take forever. Now, I think that's the ratio of, you know, years lived versus how long actually a year is. So it seems to get quicker. But for me, waiting for Rage was something of a... It seemed to go on forever. Like, you'd always see the same kind of screenshots being cycled through and the same kind of general stuff going on. And it was a bit like, come on, when's this game coming? But yeah, seeing that um, initial id Tech 5 demonstration was, uh, yeah, it was it was very exciting because, you know, we, we just had Doom 3 and uh, this seemed to be like a huge step up and they were talking a big game about mega textures and all of that. But before we talk in depth about our feelings on that, we have, uh, you know, this was published by Bethesda Softworks, you know, it's another Bethesda game where a guy comes out of a vault after a, uh, <laughs> an apocalyptic happening, so surprise! And, uh, you know, and this was designed and directed by the usual kind of id Software folk, you know, there's, there's loads of names to mention, but the ones that, you, you know, you will mention um, <clears throat> pr- primarily, I guess, is Tim Willits and John Carmack, done the engine, and, you know, you've got the same writer from the uh, Doom 3, Matthew J. Costello, and... You know, just just the usual brand of its software was coming through, and it was all it was all like they're all saying the right things to pull it in. Mm. Uh, this was released in October 2011, with reviews averaging at about 80% per format, and the, the sales are a weird one, but well, probably not that weird after we discuss it. The PC version sold considerably less at 0.4 mil, and the 360 at 1.6, and the PS3 at 1.3. So yeah, the uh, ITIC 5 demo was at. Um, the uh, convention in 07 
and uh, shortly after that the QuakeCon trailer was revealed in 07 and then it was you know the, a yearly cycle of you know promotional stuff um, was anyone else around to see all this in 07 onwards yeah I was following this uh, in 2007 I was actually looking forward to the QuakeCon uh, reveal so that the reveal before that was actually a bit of a surprise um, but I only really started following it uh, when John Carmack got on stage and he started it was, obviously it was more about the engine at the time but the the software that they were showing was somewhat impressive, looking like a Mad Max game. And, and, and people had actually been crying out for a Mad Max game for a long time, myself included. Uh, you know, aside from Fallout, which was uh, obviously a, a more of an RPG, uh, and with it being id, if this was the game that was going to get released, it was going to be a first-person shooter. So, yeah, it was, it was something that through 2007, 2008, and then supposedly getting released in 2009, I was looking forward to, and then... The big delay came in when they reprogrammed it, and then the 2010 release, which was held back because of the uh, originally getting published by EA, and then they pulled away from EA and decided to go with Bethesda, which caused a whole furore, and then again another delay, and then 2011. Uh, so yeah, it was 2011. Uh, <laughs> so it was it was a long four years, which seemed longer um, mm-hmm. in retrospect. I think four years is almost nothing for the majority of games. Um, mm-hmm. you know, And it's nothing that we've never experienced before, but at the time it felt like this game was never going to get released. Uh, maybe it was going to be one of those that was consigned to being a tech demo spectacular and never actually released for public consumption. But yeah, it was, it was something I was looking forward to for sure. How about you, Sean? How do you um, feel? I, I had no uh, knowledge about this game at all until release date, really. Um, hmm. Yeah, I'd... I'd at this point, I hadn't really been following games uh, too intensely, and uh, you mentioned how they were pushing the idea that um, these were the same team who made, you know, Doom and Quake, and that's like almost as on the cover, it's almost as big as the name Rage, like from the creators of Doom and Quake. <laughs> so that's mm. kind of what uh, you know. I was a I was a, a fairly big Doom fan. I um <clears throat> I really only finished uh, three. Actually, not that I didn't like Doom One or Two, I just uh, just never finished them. Um, but I enjoyed Quake a lot as well, so that's that's really what pulled me into Rage rather than any of the uh, lead up with um, all the engine stuff or any of the pre release trailers. So yeah, for those who hadn't seen the uh, the initial O Seven reveal at this Mac convention, um, it was it was kind of a small smallish environment with you know big cliff edges and it looked like a kind of a racetrack which probably you know you'd end up seeing in in the final game itself you know and the camera would pan around and you'd see a bigger tech 5 logo with a little kind of bandit on the logo sort of celebrating and the camera would be panning around showing you all the good like technology that the uh, the game is um promising uh but the one thing that stuck out to me was the the cars in the uh, in the demo and i'm thinking hmm it's uh, you know it's software doing something different is both exciting and you know, uh, kind of not, not worrying, but concerning at the same time. You know, mm. you get so used to a brand of a game from from a developer, and then they start. <clears throat> fair enough, they did it with a new IP, but yeah, they they start adding different elements to it, and yeah, my, my kind of curiosity was piqued in in you know in, in both positive and negative ways. Mm. Um, yeah, you know, John Carmack was um, talking all about uh, the mega textures, which I. Know, I can never really understand what he says at the best of times because he's just far <laughs> yeah. too intelligent for me. Yeah. Like, yeah. 
all I all I all I know is it's probably like a giant carpet. So that that's how I imagine it in my head. And then you just roll it over all these polygons, and they somehow fit. That's um, not far off, actually. <laughs> Maybe I should be on a convention stage. Uh, but before we talk about our histories, I'd like to talk quickly about the Doom 4 leaked footage, um, which suspiciously looks like Rage 2 yeah, to me. Yeah. Um, like they're so close. It's, um, it, it, it's, it's kind of unbelievable that they, um, <laughs> yeah. that they do that. It's, you know, it's a bit ridiculous. Um, did anyone else see the Doom leaked footage? Or Doom 4 leaked footage? It, yeah. uh, you're right. It looks like exactly like rage <laughs> there's, no, there's it's nothing mad, even, if, if you would have told me that was rage 2 instead of i would have never thought like no this is doom 4 like yeah of course this is rage <laughs> yeah. Two. yeah so yeah well, bearing in mind when i go into doom 2016 <clears throat> or if i'm ever unhappy i'll probably look back at that council game and go maybe i should be grateful <laughs> um but yeah also rage in breaking bad where they're yeah. using light guns to shoot <laughs> yeah. the uh, monsters that's typical tv you know games right. on tv yeah. Yeah. you know just to make it look cooler because holding a controller isn't fun but um <laughs> yeah i seem to remember the xbox getting quite a lot of pimpage at the yep. time on various mm-hmm. tv shows especially breaking bad but yeah. yeah it's quite interesting to see that happen <laughs> Um, but yeah, um, our histories with the game is that I bought this day one. I got an Anarchy edition, I think. Yeah, that came to, uh, came with some DLC and some stuff. I don't really remember. But uh, yeah, day one for me. And I, you know, as I said, I, I followed the, uh, the 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 lead up to this up until the 2011 with kind of you know every click on the website that I could get my hands on, which is something that I've stopped doing now really because I like to be surprised about games. So I don't really know much about Doom 2016 because purely I like to be surprised but yeah I kind of knew everything about Rage before it came out and um, yeah played it to completion and got all nearly all the achievements that I could be bothered to get like I think I hit about the 800 mark and um, yeah and I, I put it away There's, I didn't really dip into the multiplayer we'll talk about that later on mm. uh, but other than that yeah I haven't got too much to say about it um, Mr Moon how, how are you feeling? Uh, <laughs> yeah I um like yourself picked it up at launch it, it was it was an interesting discussion it was for a game that i was you know in high anticipation for it wasn't as easy a selection to pick up on launch day because there was a, another game came out that day that most people have never heard of and really hasn't had much of an impact on the gaming industry and that was dark souls nope. <laughs> so it was a case that you know i saw the two cases next to each other and it was yeah i must have spent a good 20 minutes in the shop sort of weighing them all up and the last time i had this choice was uh a time between i was choosing i think it was half-life and sin so you know that, that, <laughs> I, I chose sin yeah so oh. i made a mistake that day so i was determined never to make that mistake again uh-uh. um so in order to avoid that mistake i bought them both mm. and Oddly enough, it was Rage <laughs> that clicked with me straight away. So Rage got all the gameplay. Um, that that's the game that I stuck with, and I ended up playing through it to completion. Uh, played some of the multiplayer, played some of the co-op, and yeah, I, I went through the whole game, and I, I actually rinsed the whole lot for the full thousand game score. Nice. And Sean, um, yeah, I kind of tapped into this earlier where I. You know, saying that I hadn't really followed the development of the game, and um, but you know, on the cover it says "Makers of Doom and Quake." So, uh, I rented it actually day one on uh, PS3 and played about. I want to say I got up to where you get to. Uh, what's that called? Subway Town. Um, mm-hmm. I got up to there, and I just I wasn't really compelled to 
to finish it off so i, I took it back and then i must have i don't even remember doing this but i must have bought it a, a pc version because that's where i played it for the show <laughs> um probably in some sale uh recently and i finished it about i don't know five hours ago <laughs> on, uh, <laughs> on normal and um i unfortunately didn't get to play any multiplayer because uh as of right now it's entirely dead i tried i looked on both the co-op stuff and the um car combat stuff and there's it's i've waited forever and there's nothing so maybe if it was a moba you'd have more luck <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah uh, i forgot to add actually my history's i was so excited for this game that uh, you're a gamer convention i had the rage book which i actually read in full hmm. signed by tim willett which is um kind of a first and you know last for me i mean reading a book it was kind <laughs> of a, it was kind of a, it was kind of a surprising thing to me and uh, yeah i remember kind of I wanted to see the game because it is very much the like a one for one kind of thing. It kind of is the mm. the book. The book is the game, um, mm. but yeah, the, the book is you know it it, it is the game, and uh, in terms of, and it is just pure story. So you know, I, I hadn't seen Mad Max actually up until um, the latest one, the, the crazy mm. mental one. I forgot what it's called now. Um, Fury Road or something. Yeah. yeah, there we go. Thank you very much. Uh, so you know, my my idea of a wasteland apocalypse thing mm-hmm. was kind of you know I had notions of what it could look like, but you know when you try and you do your mind's eye thing with a book, you know it was um, completely yeah. different to what Rage turned out to be. Uh, but yeah, Rage starts off with um, you as a guy uh, leaving a vault that has you know has, has into a world that's been devastated by a very real potential uh, nightmarish scenario, which uh, could happen to us with um. Oh, Apathis, I think that's what it's called, an yeah. asteroid. You know, in twenty twenty seven or something like that, we could potentially be hit by this giant thing. And to have a, <sighs> an actual game story based on that is it's a bit chilling. I'm yeah. not going to lie. I, <laughs> yeah. I kind of like my games to uh, escape me from the realities of the world, and mm. you know, to hear of this actually being a thing that could happen is, you know. <laughs> the older I get, the, the 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 more scared I am of these things. This you know? stuff um, like terrifies me. Like, and and we hear about it, like, or at least I feel I hear about it more and more lately. <laughs> and then, like, you know, hmm. uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson comes out and says, like, No, we're fine. We're not going to be hit. And I'm like, Oh, okay. He knows what he's talking about. I guess so. We're good. Hmm. <laughs> but the idea That's... of uh, of yeah, our planet getting hit by anything is just the most uh, uh, insane thing to me. You'd have to live rage out in real in real life. Yeah, yeah. How does that sound? Uh, well, <laughs> but yeah. Okay. So you're rescued by Dan Hagar. Hagar. I don't mm. know if he's related to the guy from Final Fight. Mike. Not to him. He's, <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> a brother of Mike. Cousin. Oh yeah. <laughs> Good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. They, they sound the same. Uh, no, he's voiced by John Goodman, which you know. Every time I see John Goodman in a film or a voice actor in, a, in something. I always go with the assumption that he's passed away, and I'm like, he's still around. That's brilliant. <laughs> he's really good at stuff. And so to hear him again in my most recent half playthrough of this game, mm. I was really like happy to hear that, even though it's 2011, that he's still going <laughs> in rage. Uh, but yeah, he pulls you out of the. Um, you kind of get jumped by um, like a bandit yeah, in, the, in the wastelands, yeah. and he, you know, he saves you from potential stabbage, and he puts you in his buggy and drives you off to a nearby town, and mm. uh, you know, it's quite a unique. <laughs> Thing for an id software game to have a setup like that where you know for one there's <clears throat> kind of a person helping you whereas usually in id games there are people who will aid you in some way but they're almost certainly going to die whereas but, but <laughs> dan hagar or you know dan hagar is kind of there to support you pretty much throughout the whole of the game until you move mm-hmm. on to various other towns 
but yeah, so it is very much a you know a post-apocalyptic wasteland. You know, the bridges that are crumbling all around you, and mm-hmm. just giant holes in the floor and stuff like that. How do people feel about the scenario and you know the areas in rage? Uh, how, uh, how was it smaller than you expected, or bigger than you expected, or <laughs> what was you expecting? Yeah, it's. I, th- I think a lot of it stemmed from when it was originally shown and they were highlighting the effect that these uh, the virtual texturing element of the mega textures could hold, mm. and they were talking about these massive grand scales of stuff. And uh, from a technology, uh, from a technical point of view, it's possible. You know, th- these textures do allow for these huge, massive landscapes um, on these huge boards of textures. And I guess I got suckered into believing that that meant we were going to get these huge, sprawling landscapes. Mm. Um, and whilst there's no denying that the game looks fantastic when you're out and you're seeing all the rocks and the and the mountains and, and such around you, the actual scale nowhere is far enough from anywhere else. Um, mm. it, it that's really kind of a bizarre design choice. Uh, I, I can only assume it's due to perhaps memory limitation with you know this was the first time out for this game engine for id tech 5 and it does require a lot of memory writing um and perhaps landscape scale did come into it somewhat because there are some bases where you have rival factions that are literally connected by a zip line and they've supposedly yeah. been fighting it out for for this while for territory and stuff, and it just absolutely kills any immersion or any intention mm-hmm. that was there with the storyline um, for the, for these places battling over each other. And and it's a shame for someone who was waiting for a Mad Max game and and thinking that this was what we were going to get this whole um, the 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 you know the interworld faction battles and 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 such when. You know, the irony is we've probably had to wait until the Mad Max game of 2015 to get that. So, um, yeah, that that was certainly one of the more disappointing things because, as is often the case, I sort of switch off and I wait for the release of something and I play it. And it seems like you drive from one end of the map to the other in next to no time at all. And I realise that you say drive and not walk and stuff, but uh, it really is somewhat surprising how close... The, these these areas are and whilst they look fantastic it did absolutely kill that element for me hmm. yeah for me having read the book uh the, the towns in the game and the book you know they couldn't have been any further from you know each other in terms of storytelling like the book was like and he went on this massive epic journey to subway town and it took <laughs> days to get there and back and you know but in, in the game like you say Carl, it's just like it's just down there mate it's yeah. just gone. Off you go. And you're like, oh, okay. oh Jesus, it's just yeah. there. What do you mean? It's just down a corridor. So you know, maybe the scope of the game was reeled back in after they, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, after like maybe the mega textures have sucked all the memory out of the game, and they were like, mm. oh God, how are we going to do this? But yeah, um, I, yeah. So for me, this was kind of like, like I said, um, you know, I'd, I'd seen Fallout Three do post-apocalypse. Yeah, and, you know, I've yeah. seen Fallout One or Two as well do that, but this is kind of like a more action take on it. And um, for me, it was my, my first real like look at you know someone's um vision of a post-apocalyptic waste because i'm a i'm a sheltered child you know i didn't really see much of that stuff when i was a kid because that's just where my childhood was and I, I i like the idea of crazy people fighting each other in like a, in a wasteland but it, it just felt like they were on your doorstep in terms of it, instead of it being a wasteland it just felt like a waste field you know it was, it was really mm-hmm. weird yeah. and um the 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 inclusion of vehicles 
didn't really feel necessary. Like if you take, I know it's a different game completely, but if you take Fallout 3, mm-hmm. the size of that map, yeah. which has no vehicles, sure it has fast yeah. travel, yeah, I get that, but to, to not have vehicles in Fallout 3, you know, uh, it's, it is a bit of a weird comparison, but you always, I kind of expect it to be in the bigger game rather mm-hmm. than the smaller game. I mean, even something like Borderlands is an example of a game where where vehicles don't always feel essential, but they don't necessarily feel out of place. Uh, yeah. And this game actually has quite a lot in common with Borderlands, including mm-hmm. the way that it almost approaches a storyline, except Rage yeah. tries to build its whole game around its storyline, whereas mm. Borderlands is completely aware that the storyline in that is inconsequential to, to your yeah. actions in the world regardless. So... Um, and, and and the vehicles being the first thing that was shown off in the game, everyone expected it was going to be this huge big deal. And then there was the controversy that uh, vehicle combat was going to be a part of the story um, of the single player game, mm-hmm. where they had to basically put out a press announcement in an interview saying, well, you only technically have to do two of them. There are more that are optional. And then the multiplayer was announced and it was only vehicle combat and then that kicked it all up again. (laughs) It it was strange that for everything that they tried to do for vehicles, everything that sort of came back on the game that was negative was almost always centralised around them, probably because they were so unnecessary in in that in the size of the world. You know, it it's hard to sort of put into words how close they are, but um, to anyone who's never played the game, but you're at times driving between towns in for, in about ten to fifteen seconds, so yeah. it's yeah. you know it, it really isn't far at all. Uh, yeah, so there, there are numerous uh, you know quests in these towns and cities that you uh, you embark on, and replaying it again most recently, I'd kind of forgotten how obtuse it can be mm-hmm. to to navigate around like sure it's just a little town and the the guys and the girls in the t- each of these uh, areas will tell you you know dan hagar being an obvious point because he grabs you from minute one right but every character around me felt like they were both important but no way was the game telling me to go and talk to him in yeah. any way shape or form uh to, you know to kind of lead me into finding other quests and mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not too sure what their philosophy was behind that. Like, did, did they want to be, did they want to make it more natural for the player to just go and talk to these people they found interesting to look at? Yeah. <laughs> but for me, they all kind of look the same. It was just a bit yeah. like, right, yeah, well, okay, there's another tired, tired-looking human over there. Like, yeah. And in some, there's no real reason to speak to them. In some cases, they literally look exactly the same because in different towns they use different or they use the same character models. <laughs> like, um, there's like a, a hefty, a hefty guy who walks around in, in both towns and there's one in the other <clears> town. He's like sitting down when you first walk in and, and, uh, yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's a little weird. I kind of wonder if they were thinking it'd be like a little more rewarding that like you mm. searched it out, you found this guy or girl and, um, they gave you a quest or whatever. But, for me, it ended up not being... It was kind of a neat idea, but not really rewarding because the actual quests that they give you were not particularly interesting to me. It was always just kind of like mm. fetch quests or shoot 'em ups and um, So it wasn't particularly rewarding. So it just seemed kind of a weird decision, you yeah. know? I mean, the, 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 the mad one for me is the wing sticks at the start of the game. Yeah, yeah. You're not you pointed totally towards <laughs> the girl. Yeah. You're not pointed towards her at all. And it's a crucial part of the game, I think, that the wing sticks yeah. are in the game if people haven't played rage wing sticks are kind of like a three-bladed boomerang that you can chop people's heads off with and they mm-hmm. come back in you know and you can craft them in the inventory uh, if you've got the right materials and i think it's such a crucial good in- introduction 
uh, addition to the game mm-hmm. and you know and the its software kind of library of weapons they've got i think the wingstick's really good but i kind of just bumped into this person this female <laughs> yeah. because she was there and i was like oh there's a woman in this game wicked let's go and talk to her because mm-hmm. so far all i've been speaking to was just males and i was like mm-hmm. well for a bit of diversity i'll go and speak to that person and see what she's got to say about this whole scenario mm-hmm. but you know games have done stuff like this you know, before Rage better like just a little bit of dialogue would have been great like hey over here and you'd yeah, be like oh that yeah. person's got something to say you know mm-hmm. but here they're just standing there silent and yeah. they're giving you some honestly some quite great facial uh, technical animation but that's mm-hmm. that's you know that's for nothing if I'm never going to speak to them because yeah. the game's not prompted me to yeah. did anyone else feel the same about this yeah it was mm-hmm. just me um, I actually quite liked the the look and the feel of the characters and the way you interacted with them Um I thought that I, I'm working on the assumption that they wanted it to feel more organic as a world, mm. that people mm-hmm. are approachable or just going about their business, and and the, they do look fantastic. I mean, mm. um, yeah. you know, the, the whole character models and the texture and the animation and the animation, something I'm going to talk about a lot later on, um, is is something that particularly stood out, and uh, I think it's a whole design philosophy. And of course, I could be talking nonsense here, but this is just how it felt playing it. And and the whole development and concept of the whole mega texture system, which you know we're, we're going to take note of how many times I actually mention mega texture <laughs> during this podcast, is that by using it, you are not seeing um, repetition or recloning of looks mm-hmm. or feels, which is ironic given Sean's already mentioned uh, a <laughs> yeah. character looking the same. But uh, in terms of the whole world and uh, something, so no corridor should technically look the same as another corridor because mm-hmm. the way mega textures work is you've essentially got this one huge texture which can work up to 128,000 by 128,000 pixels. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the way it works, it works uh, with a voxel system. Um, and it pulls many different levels of information from this one sheet, so from what something should sound like or from how something should interact with light or interact with traction or you know the many different elements that we would see in a game design. And by putting all this on one form uh, and basically letting artists go at it in the way that artists generally want to, you don't see any form of repetition. So... In doing so, the world should technically be noticeably different for the player and therefore he should be able to negotiate it uh, naturally and organically. And I believe that that same philosophy was implemented into the game in how you you know, navigate it yourself uh, mm. and discover the characters and stuff. So it basically led the player down a more organic design path. That, that's how mm. it felt for me, so I never no, really yeah. had a problem. Whereas I've played games before where there's n- no map or uh, a terrible heads-up or um, navigation mm. display, but because so many things look the same, yeah. mm. it becomes so confusing that you end up just getting frustrated rather than yeah. being able to navigate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can completely understand that. Um, so the quest in the towns and cities, you know, after you have spoken to everyone, and you know you got your things that you needed. You you are soon. You know it's not too long before, um, you know you're given your first vehicle in which you're t- told to uh, encroach this giant wall. It's being constructed by the bandits, and you just get obliterated. Mm. At least I did for the first yeah, yeah you know, two, two <laughs> yeah. or three times. Like, oh yeah, they got rocket launchers, which is good because it's in the software game, and they should have rocket launchers. Good stuff. Um, 
you know, but yeah, you, you, you know, you are, you are given a vehicle, which is a first for an id software game, in my experience. I don't know if they've done vehicles before uh, or, or after. No, I don't think they have. But um, well, yeah, enemy territory, a, um, mm, quick was, yeah, 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 true, true that. Uh, yeah, but um, yeah, it was, it was quite an interesting thing to have at your disposal, you know. And but uh, the first time playing this game, I wasn't really too sure how big this world was going to be. According to my mind, it was going to be, you know, the vehicle was justified. Mm. Yeah. and you know you were going to be across these, these sprawling wastelands uh, as we mentioned earlier but um you know the, the vehicle is a is a means to an end in just you know just reaching the next kind of hub world hub uh, you know quest hub to get your missions and uh head down some corridors and shoot stuff uh the, but the, the buggies do end up after some quite in in retrospect i i i liked them at the time but looking back on it i, I really feel like the races are quite um <laughs> in the way kind of you know it, it was part of the main quest line for my most recent playthrough it was like oh, I'll mm-hmm. go and speak to Rusty and get some yeah. stuff for your girl yeah. you're like oh wicked I'm going to upgrade my buggy uh, to get mm-hmm. some weapons on it but you end up having like a time trial race kind of thing where you end up sort of circling around and <clears throat> ah, it kind of just felt in the way I, I think actually your first one's at the main town and then you get to do it again in the in the big town yeah. but it, it you know the, the order of them doesn't really matter because to me they just felt kind of pointless um fair enough it's kind of the first one is like getting a buggy and do like a, a quick uh, like a lap round just to get used to the buggy in terms of like driving it and stuff and it kind of makes sense from a point of view of someone who's just stepped out of a vault mm-hmm. but as someone who's played x amount of video games with buggies in like, i kind of know what i'm doing and it just felt like it was getting in the way yeah. um did, did anyone else feel like it, it's kind of typical video game you know trope at this point that you know you've got a world to save or you've got a you know a thing to do and all these side things are in the way but for me the buggy and the buggy races felt like the guy was just having a laugh in this post <laughs> wasteland it's like mario kart all of a sudden and he's got his blue yeah. shells out it just didn't feel right to me at all for me the the races were just too easy like i play a fair amount of racing games not all of them but um and it, clearly the racing wasn't the like main intent of rage but uh all the races just were like it was over in like a minute and a half at longest um i won all of them like it was it was all just seemed really easy and just kind of like a waste of time as you said like you just yeah you're just like having a laugh like just running around shooting everything or, or just <laughs> like just you know beating everybody in the races and like some of them you're forced to even later on because they're like you need a better car and then you get that mm. better car and it's doesn't feel like it's that much better you're kind of doing the same thing they tell you it's better you know but um i don't know it's, i didn't really have yeah. much fun with any of the the car combat i just don't think uh, the, the way the game handles the post-apocalyptic world is kind of realized like if you were to win a better car from someone wouldn't if it was just the wasteland of post-apocalyptic land wouldn't you just go up to them with like a, a, a need software shotgun and just blow their heads yeah. off and steal it like yeah. i feel yeah. like all of a sudden getting together and have like a little whiz around the canyon oh let's have a good time guys it yeah. just doesn't fit the theme of the game no. I mean, and um it, it's one of those things i can understand from a world building side that perhaps having these car events in would be you know quote unquote making the best of a bad situation yeah, yeah. Um, you know being post apocalyptic and most people being dead that's a very bad situation um, <laughs> but regardless if you're going to implement something into the game you are going to be judged on it um, mm. and whether that's positively or negatively the fact that having this in the game was judged negatively pre-release 
should have highlighted that this was going to be an issue from everything that we'd seen. And, um, you know, Darren, you've already mentioned it. These do come off feeling a lot more like something like Mario Kart or Diddy Kong Racing than (laughs) a better comparison, which would be the uh, Mad Max game from 2015, which also features vehicles and vehicular combat, but feels essential integral in fact to to the whole development and progression of that game and feels really solid as a result and rage is the complete antithesis of that which is almost laughing in the face of the world in which it's trying to craft and it is just really bizarre um and the fact that i i believe these races were supposed to be more integral to the progression of the game and they reduced it down to two and one of those being a tutorial race um shows they were aware that it was going to cause some issues but really they would have been better just removing it entirely rather than have these checkpoint races i understand like i say that these people would want to do something in this world for a bit of fun uh, that isn't just five finger fillet and a, a crazy made-up board game um but you know it's for me if you're going to put something in the game make it first of all fun and second of all relevant and for me it was neither hmm uh, you end up you know after you win the race you end up bolting your car with a minigun on top and you know I, I was kind of thinking right this is going to be like the best of both worlds uh, you know the, the, the first person shooter and the, the kind of vigilante <laughs> 8 slash twisted metal of mm. the of, you know of my childhood like I love those car combat games I thought right this is going to be it you know you end up back in the wasteland going back to Dan Hagar Hagar and um, sort of like and you, you, you've you seen them before but you, you really had nothing to do with it because um, you didn't have your minigun at the time but you're kind of t- challenged with these little you know take down three enemy bandits and their buggies and you get some money mm-hmm. again it's I know it's a video game but it kind of felt a bit pointless to me and a bit kind of just arbitrarily put in there just so they can balance the economy yeah. better <clears throat> like who's paying yeah. me this money all of a sudden it's just suddenly wired into my PayPal account because I feel free <laughs> of these guys like <laughs> It, it should be like one of those ongoing kind of quests that you hand, you know, you hand it yeah. in the sheriff. It's kind of like, it just felt really un- unorganised yeah. in terms it's of a quest. It's bizarre because you would tend to think that if you're going to do it post-apocalyptic, and I realise that Fallout did this whole currency system in it, but surely the redevelopment of a world would work on either a t- just taking something rather than paying for it for survival mm. or b on favors that you do something for yeah. someone and you get a favor back um yeah it, it's really kind of weird that this finance thing's going up in the bottom corner it just felt like <laughs> it should be from a different game yeah you know this is kind of the the, the seriousness of the post-apocalyptic wasteland just isn't treated with respect that it kind of yeah. that it deserves and that sounds quite pompous to say but and then they you know the it software is still under there like yeah it's a game so we're going to give you like you know just cash in kind of, kind of hand for, you know money rewards it's kind of like a very it's software thing to do but on the but what they've created is a very kind of self-serious on the surface kind of um mm. you know looking game it's it's a, it's, it's a very weird juxtaposition that yeah. kind of kept pulling me out if you, if you know what i'm saying one thing that's weird is that like you go back into town and they're like oh thanks for making the roads so much safer but then you go out there and they're they're back like <laughs> no yeah. matter where you go they keep popping back up just so that you have something to do while you're driving so you're technically not making it's not safer it's just exactly how it was when i came through i just happened to take out mm. three of them on the way here yeah. i mean yeah. i mean the, the thing that sort of gets me is you mentioned the juxtaposition between you know the intent and the you know the the actuality of the situation in the game and it's 
it have never been a company that have forced story upon the game. You know, yeah. in, in fact, it was mentioned in the the Doom and Doom Two podcast that John Carmack actively said that you know games can be better without stories. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's more the feel of the world. You know, you've got Doom where you're in this impossible situation against waves of enemies that you're never really going to get out of, and then you've got Quake, which is a horror game, and it sort of sticks to that. The, the horror of everything uh, and being in a nightmarish situation and it completely sticks to those agendas and this one it just has a real mix and match of this is going to be fun and this is going to be arcade and this is going to be the shooting part and none of it ever blends and it's really bizarre that you know if you're going to do it like i said earlier if you're going to do it do it right else just mm. don't bother just give me a straight up shooter because you know what of all the developers that are going to do it i'm going to trust id especially mm. an id that we mentioned still had John Carmack, still had Tim Willett, still had Ton Holl- uh, Todd Hollinshead as the lead uh, president of ID, and you think that's the that's the team, that's the trio, you know? Um, just just give me the shooting. And thankfully, in my opinion, the shooting in Rage was actually good. So the, the, that the whole shooting uh, side of that game, I enjoyed, but it was the, so much fluff was added on that just had no place in this game. Yeah, the, the you know the first person shooting is you know it is what you expect it to be, and I'm I'm really grateful for that. But what well, the shooting that isn't very compelling to me at all was the vehicle combat. Yeah. Um, I found it to be really kind of just automated and a bit kind of bland. It was just like you know, just generally point your car in a direction and you'll you'll blow up the thing in front of you or behind you if you want to leave your banana skin. I mean mine. You know what I mean? It was kind of very much like. <laughs> Okay, here's another little quadrant of the map that I'm taking down some guys in. Yeah. It's not very fun at all. The AI is pretty weak. Yeah. Like uh, earlier on today, at the time of recording, this buggy was chasing me around uh, at a very slow pace. And it kind of, depending on which side of the bridge I was on, it, it went the long way around to chase me. And it was like, oh, this is yeah. just not tense at all. It just kind of felt like, I don't know, like the Benny Hill music should Cartoon. be running in the background. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just very, very kind of just again the juxtaposition between oh these bandits have got loads of guns and explosions and then they just kind of do a really stupid thing and you know that's just that's just games at the end of the day but like Carl said if you want if you if you're going to put your trust and faith into a team to do it right is it's going to be it and uh you know I I think this is the great kind of point to talk about the PC port that was where well I say Mm. PC port because it was a console lead game but even to say that in its software games a PC port is just like (laughs) I I can't I can't imagine I didn't want to I kind of stay away from things like this now in terms of like rage rage on the internet (laughs) but in terms of internet rage it was like they couldn't have chose a better name for a game really uh, releasing this port out on there because it was just according to my friend my best man my mate Will you know Kip he's like you know he loves his PC and uh, when he bought Rage (laughs) And um, he said he couldn't play it because it was a broken PC port. I was just like, what have they done? No, I was an Xbox 360 guy from day one, but I know Sean has only just got into it. But Carl, was you there for the PC version on day one or were you aware of the problems? I was aware of the problems and it was interesting because the the game was at least initially lead development on PC because um, there's the now infamous interview with John Carmack where he said he he believes that the Xbox 360 version can basically run at almost 60 frames a second and match the PC version, but he hmm. can't get more than 20 frames a second out with the PS3 because of its infrastructure. But thankfully, the PC version's fine. Um, <clears> and <throat> then, you know, as time comes, uh, progresses, 
you know, two years down the line, suddenly he's confident that they'll both be running at 60 frames at launch as well as the PC version. And then launch comes around and, oh my days, the PC version's a disaster. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's crashing, it's it's um, constant, like, causing blue screens, there's, you know, graphical uh, artifacts all over the place, screen tearing, uh, frame rate dips. It, I mean, it was all over the shop and it's... It, it it was a similar effect to um, Crisis Two when Crisis Two launched on the PC, hmm. in that a lot of people felt betrayed. Um, hmm. A lot of PC gamers felt betrayed because these were from developers that were so primarily PC based that you know you expect to get all the options, all the bells, all the whistles, um, and be be able to sort of uh, tweak your sliders to the nth degree. Um, and obviously, Crisis Two did get itself sorted after a you know a, a huge farce, but but Rage for the longest time was all over the place. And then on top of that, you've got the fact that. Um, Id Tech 5 is supposed to be open source and it's going to get its games uh, development engine is going to follow out and originally it was supposed to be a week or two after release and then that comes was it 18 months later in 2013 and you, just the whole PC release of this game was just comical yeah um, you know, I've been playing it recently um, the, the aforementioned Will uh, we share Steam accounts and he's got it on his you know he can finally play it but whether he has or not I'm not too sure I think he was soured on the whole thing eventually but I've been playing his version on and off when he's not playing games on Steam I'll quickly nip on there to have a little cover age and see what's up and I booted the 64-bit mode version of the game it kind of prompts you beforehand which version do you want to play this one or this one so I, ch- I, ch- I click 64-bit and it boots up in a window and I was like well that's weird because the 32-bit version doesn't and it kind of you know, I clicked on multiplayer to see what was up and it says it's not available in that mode so like just already I'm, an, yeah. I'm annoyed as a PC I'm not really a PC player as much as I used to be but the kind of the, the old Darren was like why? Uh, um, this is a PC like I want to do what I want to do and I, I buy a PC because it's open for me to you know do as I see fit and then I went onto the mod scene for Rage, and I was like, oh, you know, it's in a software game. Surely there's loads of mods. There was one, and I can't even remember what it was. It's yeah. just like, man, they, yeah, they've really soured a lot of um, their user base with this. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, yeah um, performance-wise, it was just kind of really up and down on my end too with the PC version. Like, I, I any interiors, it was pretty much a steady 60 frames. But then once you get hmm. driving, especially like the second you get out into the wasteland, it was like like at maximum 30 and then dropping yeah. lower than that is really all over the place and really surprising. And I mean, it is because the the whole development of the, of that engine is based around 60 frames a second, which is probably the, the thing that's most impressive about both console releases. And it's something yeah. that we should definitely talk about because um, from a development point of view, it was a game of its time that was, so set on 60 frames a second before all else and the nearest thing we had to that was probably the call of duty games online which always focused on it but that used a different system where if it couldn't hit 60 frames a second it would just happily just drop frames all over the place and hope that the player didn't realize because that was the system that it uses to get 60 frames a second it's really cheap now it's not that rage won't drop frames or if it goes the other way double frames um it gets away with it um you know, but it but it does it at a very minimal level, and it uses a dynamic resolution um, mm-hmm. for scaling. And I remember an interview uh, once with I believe it was Machine Games in the development of Wolfenstein when they were asked, "Is it hard, was it hard to maintain a sixty frames a second in that game?" Because of all the 
trouble that we had coming into the you know the the next generation from the PS4 and the Xbox One, and they said no because John Carmack's a genius. It's harder <laughs> not to hit thirty frames a second, and mm. it would use a, it would use a dynamic scaling where it would always maintain seven twenty in terms of its height, but it would actually change its horizontal fidelity so it could go from twelve eighty, which is the goal, all the way to down to six forty, which is literally half. Um, and it could do that on the consoles, but the PC version was never designed around that fact because um, it's not that it can do it, but when you're working with various hardware and stuff, it becomes a bit of a farce, so you, it tries to maintain its resolution, and when it doesn't, it will dip, whereas the console versions are pretty consistently around 60 frames a second, almost eerily so. Um uses different things, like it has no anti-aliasing on the consoles to maintain that, but uh, in, in terms of 60 frames a second... It, there was no other games were doing that in in, in first person for the for the three sixty and the PS three, um, and not only were they not doing sixty frames a second, they also didn't look as good as Rage. So um, technically, what they did on consoles is absolutely incredible. The to the detriment of that is that the the tricks that they were able to play on the consoles weren't really feasible on the PC. Um, so if you had a beast of a PC and it didn't crash, fantastic! It looked amazing. Um, if you didn't, then there's kind of problems, and then you come to the whole. It, that is one of the issues of PC gaming, isn't it? Is that all sure, hardware is yeah. different, and then you get issues. So um, it's it's always a bit harsh when you've got to give PC games a bit of a leeway. But when you release like Rage did, it's kind of hard to have that kind of forgiveness. But a game shouldn't really be happily at sixty and then dip into thirty, especially in you know twenty sixteen with the level of drivers and stuff that we've got now. So yeah, um, back to the actual uh, you know the game itself. Uh, when you're around these uh, these cities and towns, you're given quests uh, from various people like sheriff and. You know the the usual kind of characters you'd see in yeah. these kind of games. Yeah, they don't, for me, really break the mold. Uh, you know, uh, maybe the guy in the circus with a crazy kind of clown-looking building. You know, that's kind of the the kind of the, the crazy moment of that game. But you know, you're given quests, and you're you know you've got this kind of inventory screen that kind of you know pops up very much. Not not like Doom Three that it's a PDA, but it's a kind of like a big menu thing that you can flick between, which it was just kind of a bit jarring for me. Uh, coming back to it because I thought, like, oh yeah it did have like a quest log and stuff like that and you know you are given quests uh, you know m- multiple at times but I was constantly lost because there's no map and then Carl referenced earlier the uh, the location should be a map within itself like your your mind map should help you like remember where these places are but whenever it asked me to go back to the sheriff I was just like <laughs> yeah I can't remember where he is like yeah. this like, I, I was constantly like kind of lost around uh, the first kind of city, Wellspring, which oh, it looks beautiful, right? Even on the low yeah. on the PC that I was playing on, because my PC's old, you know, and it's, it's not five years old, but I think it is actually. I think it's about the same time Rage came out, but it kind of, you know, even on a low setting, it still looked really good. But I just couldn't remember. I couldn't mind map the the city as well as you know as what as kind of like what Dark Souls does. You know that kind of does it right, uh, yeah. perfectly in my imagination, in my mind. But um, yeah, so I was constantly looking for this map and thinking, right, there's got to be a map in here somewhere, but there isn't one. So you ca- I ended up just kind of just scuttling around this city until I bumped into it. And they do have graffiti on the walls and stuff like that. But I, I, did anyone else feel lost during most of these like 
they're not very big towns or cities, but still, yeah. I still managed to get lost. That was the one area where I struggled, and it's yeah. to find the stairs to get up to talk yeah, to the sheriff yeah. that you're talking about. It, <laughs> yeah. It's really bizarre, and it shouldn't be difficult to remember because no. it's not really much out of the way. You know, you go down an alley and then circle around to your right and up the, some stairs, but yeah, every time I enter the town... Uh, where am I going? And right, you walk yeah. over towards the garage, and you're like, "Well, I know it's near the garage, and it's it's over there to the right of that big fan on the wall, kind of thing." And you, but then you're still walking around, going, "Where are these stupid stairs? How do I get in there?" And yeah, that bit drove me mad. But for every other bit in the game, I thought it was, I, I had absolutely no problem at all. I absolutely love the way it was designed and laid out. But yeah, that one area of trying to find the uh, sheriff. No, sorry, that that was just silly. Yeah, it's because like when you walk into the town, the very first thing you see is the mayor's office. It says mayor's office yeah. like right there, and then yeah. you look to your left, and there's the bar, and it says like Wellspring Bar right there. You know, but you don't see the sign for the sheriff until you're right at the stairs where it says like yeah. sheriff this way. So like it's a it's a little the quest mark in the top left says go talk to the sheriff. And you're like I have no idea where he. Is. <laughs> I end up doing that thing where I just hug the wall le- yeah. on the left-hand side, and eventually I'll get to it because yeah. just by virtue of running everywhere, yeah. it's like when you're stuck in a maze. Yeah. Just stick to the left, and you'll get out. Yeah. It's very much like that for yeah. me. Um, but in terms of actually, like, so when you get given a quest, you know, it's like, oh, go and kill these guys, these bandits that have kind of, you know, British kind of face paint, and go and kill those guys <laughs> yeah. that are crazy in a different way. You know, um, the, the the actual interiors of these kind of mini these kind of levels I I really enjoyed playing it and this is where the game really shines for me is you know surprise surprise when you grab a shotgun or a, or a, you know a weapon in a Doom uh, excuse me in an software game before you <laughs> slip um, you know it kind of brings back why why I'm playing this game mm-hmm. and you know it took a long time for us to even get there but it just goes to show how much stuff is kind of in the way of actually playing an id software game mm-hmm. and that's not for me to say that they shouldn't try other things but and, and and fair enough i applaud them for trying it in a new ip like yeah. that, that is your time to try new stuff out that don't start putting crazy stuff in you know it, it, things that shouldn't be in other games don't start sticking like guns in mario do you know what i mean don't yeah, yeah. or like um, a story in doom or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But, you know, if you were playing Quake and all of a sudden you got in your little buggy, you'd be like, well, are you sure? Are you sure about this, mate? But, you know, um, the level designs for taking out other bandits and stuff, I, I, I find them to be really, like, densely detailed. Mm-hmm. And that's probably down to, you know, the the mega texture system kicking in. Like, there's just stuff everywhere. You know, there's bits, kind of the usual crap lying around, like desks turned up and just boxes and just, just stuff everywhere it's, to look around. Yeah, believable. There's there's an authenticity about those environments that that scuffles mm. and people have been living there and um, you know they're in squalor and you know the, even the little piles of rubble on the floor and like you said little tools will be all over the place and stuff. The the interior environments are so ridiculously well detailed um, and and authentic that they're an absolute joy to to walk around. Um, and the fact that it maintains 60 frames a second whilst doing it is just ludicrous. Hmm. You know, uh, they they kind of feel constricted in a way that you know uh, a garage would do. You know, uh, that's got a lot of stuff turned over in it, and that they do genuinely feel like mm, kind of natural playgrounds. I it didn't. It never really. When you're in these kind of moments, they never really feel like a level. They kind of just they 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 genuinely feel to me like yeah. places that exist, and that's when the game really shines. When you see these guys hiding behind the desks that they flipped over and they're kind of crouching behind it. And typically you can see the top of their dome. So you're going to pop it off with a pistol, but it's, um, yeah, the, the, these level design moments are why 
I kind of endure the bits that I don't like as much because mm. they're just so greatly um, you know that they play really well and especially when you start crafting so when you're running around these environments you can see like little shimmery bits in the corners as you would in most games you know it, this game is very much a game if you know what I mean it mm. kind of does the things that you expect it to do so if you're running up a, a set of stairs just check under the stairs there's going to be some glowing <laughs> stuff underneath yeah, it you know it yeah. does the things that games do and I can't really knock it for that mm-hmm. uh, but you know the, the level design in these shooty bits are like they're proper that they're, they're really good you know the mm-hmm. even like the, the intro where you get kind of slung up and upside down in like a trap and it does some quite genuinely cool moments that you think oh mm-hmm. yeah this game has got a little bit more of a character than you know in retrospect than, than I ended up seeing like mm-hmm. it kind of it tries to like show its like it, this game for me is always balancing between an id game and a realistic game you know what I mean it's all like, like we said earlier it's kind of all this it's all really juxtaposed but every now and again it's like oh yeah no this game like it is genuinely yeah. underneath it all a proper id software game that's then, it you know, that, that sounds on, really elitist but it, you know that's true for on me. those moments where it actually reminds you that it's a shooter at its core you have that feeling of oh this is really solid this mm. is I want more of this and you know you have that element of when you clear out an area and suddenly you drive the five seconds or whatever to the next town um, and you go oh yeah I forgot we've got these sections and I you know if you're doing a hub world or a central nexus or anything like that I'm usually kind of a fan of those in games you know I, I like them when they're done well um, but when Rage is advertised as a shooter and it have a history of well, not just doing good shooters, but basically the whole creation of that genre yeah, as we yeah. know it. You know, um, the, the the whole foundation with Wolfenstein and and whatnot. And you know, who who'd have thought that a couple of years later, machine games and new startup come out and release a first person shooting? You go, that's what I wanted Rage to be like. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, yeah. but but when you have the the actual combat sections, and I think now is probably a good time to remind people that this is at its core a first person shooter and you're fighting these waves of bandits and stuff, the game comes into its own. It, you know, it the, the weapons feel solid and believable. In the post-apocalyptic wasteland, the wing sticks are a pretty incredible melee weapon. Um, it's you know We've seen stuff similar to it before. Um, was it Dark is it dark Matter or something it's called? Dark By Sector has a glaive. Dark yeah. Sector, yeah, with a glaive. is basically the exact same weapon, and that game mm-hmm. is built around that. Um, but where I found Ridge really started to shine was um, not only in terms of its responsiveness, which is something that id tech allows because of the whole processing times. I've actually looked into the whole processing times of this engine and it's kind of ridiculous, you know, when people always highlight how long it takes for textures to pop in, which is a critical error that we will talk about because, you know, people will be waiting for us to mention this. But in spite of that, uh, the actual, you know, we've mentioned the frame rate at 60, the interaction with the controller is pinpoint sharp. Mm-hmm. I don't know yeah. if you guys remember from playing with a pad or if you played with a pad or the mouse and keyboard. Um, I'm not entirely sure how it feels with the mouse and keyboard. Um, uh, one, no. one, <laughs> um, yeah, I, one would assume it would feel really good anyway, but uh, at least with a pad, the inputs are so crisp and clean yeah. and quick. Um, so uh, the, the, the combat is fast-paced. The enemies move and duck beyond, behind cover with some of the best, arguably my favourite animations 
um, yeah. AI enemies in a mm. first-person shooter. Uh, it's so believable to the fact that the way they sprint out and they'll you know they'll duck under a pipe and then hide over in the corner. Yeah. Or if they're running at you and you clip them with a shotgun in the side, the way that they sort of wing off um, off kilter whilst re- trying to regain their balance and come at you, and or or you can spin them and like a top if you hit them right in the hip or something is just mind-bogglingly good when you're playing it. So for every moment that you're in these tight situations being swarmed by enemies, it sort of falls right upon the you know the, the bungee design philosophy of 30 seconds of fun repeated. And it's just never not a great first-person shooter at its core in these areas because the weapons are all, pretty much all solid, which, again, another trait of id games. There's, there's no real weaknesses upon the weapon line there's favorites there for everyone um animation brilliant the speed of it all is you know no one likes a game that's the engine starts chugging when you start firing your shotgun off at enemies coming at you um yeah it, it's just so slick and polished um i just wish the whole game was like that <laughs> uh, you how, know how, how uh, do you feel sean about yeah. the, the first person shootery level design bits um for me it's the ai that kind of uh makes it stand out to me like you mentioned carl how they uh duck and hide behind stuff it's just completely um unpredictable which is not something i'm used to with the first person shooters that i play like with call of duty or something you know you look down the hallway and you know exactly what kind of what doors are going to pop out of and how they're going to move you know they're all just going to run up and sit behind cover and just pop out once in a while and with this one like the way the level design set up there's so much different types of cover uh in each room so like there'll be you know your typical boxes or desks that they can hide behind or there's like a pillar in between in in the middle of the room where someone will hide there or you'll be fighting mutants or the the like super mutants or whatever later on down where they'll like Hmm. do that whole um like alien kind of thing where they like run along the walls or run along the ceilings and stuff like that like i almost want them to like kind of remake colonial marines and and use that kind of ai for for the aliens that we probably should have gotten out of that game but yeah i really like the level design and it's one of the things that really stands out yeah so when you're sent on a mission you know to find something or someone it doesn't really matter because the shooting Mm -hmm. is so much fun (laughs) Uh, it ends up like kind of in a very rewarding way in a very typical way i guess it kind of wraps around on itself and we mentioned earlier the zip line you know you're kind of zip line Mm -hmm. back to the start of where you were and there's something really it's such a small thing but a lot of games overlook it you know Mm -hmm. the the time spent getting there is fun because you're shooting but some games will have you run back that way yeah. to the door and it's just like oh <laughs> yeah. right, there's nothing there's to do nothing so you there. Like, yeah. Mm. But, yeah but this game it's like yeah you know just take a zip line back to the front because this isn't really a thing that you need to experience you know the first person shooter games should be you know if they're going to make you backtrack through an area make it uh, for a reason mm-hmm. and, you know that the game yeah. does give yeah. the, the game mm. does send you back to like the ghost den at the start of the game it does send you there twice on a mission but there's a reason it never asks you to walk back through it you you do that on your own volition you know you do it on your own time if you see a door that you need to break open with the uh, the you know the gear cog things that you can um, pick the locks with you do that on your own time if you want to find the retro themed uh, easter egg rooms you do that by either accident or you, uh, you hear about it and you go and discover it the game never really forces you back through an environment with nothing to do unless you want to do it and I really appreciated that it kind of respects your time uh, but we mentioned earlier the crafting materials you know you can pick up bits of scraps of metal and you know obviously bullets and stuff and uh, we'll talk about the, the bullet types in a minute I guess um, but the, the crafting 
I feel like if this game was made now, they'd put more emphasis on the crafting, as you know, uh, crafting has become more of a mainstream thing in games, thanks to survival games, you know, which kind of started it all with Minecraft. I think if Rage was made in 2016 or Rage 2 was going to happen, they'd have a lot more emphasis on you making stuff, and you know, that they'd put more yeah. um, reliance on the player to survive in the wasteland. And playing it again recently, I kind of felt like. You know, just looking for little glowy bits of things in the corners of rooms in a very, very Pac-Man video game-esque. It's like, oh, okay, yeah. I, I kind of, you know, haven't experienced other games do a similar and better thing. I kind of was hoping for a, um, you know, a more elaborate system. But, you know, it is five years old and it probably was at the wrong time. Well, it, you know, for, for them it was probably at the wrong time where, uh, you know, they, they could have made it a more elaborate thing had they known it was going to be such a big thing. But yeah, you can you know you can cre- uh, create all sorts really if you've got the stuff for it. You like little um, RC buggies that explode in a very was it in, was it in Black Ops they did this at one point. It was yeah. kind of <laughs> yeah. at the time games were doing it when the, the and Homefront as well. Uh, mm. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah uh, you know, and games were doing very similar things in a in a different way, which is which is quite interesting to see. Like it almost like they get together and sort of share their ideas and mm. they end up doing all the same things. Like these things happen at once. It's it's quite odd. Um, but you know, if you can lay you can lay turrets down, and these things are staggered out for the progress of the game. You don't get them all at once because that would be quite um, overwhelming, I guess. But yeah, um, can't mention them. Keyboard and mouse. I did play recently on the keyboard and mouse, and the one thing I didn't like was um, changing weapons with the mouse and keyboard, because when you do change weapons or uh, you know infantry item, it's all mapped to a controller in terms of the the little the, the two kind of diamonds appear in the corner of the screen. And they're oh. quite clearly mapped for the controller. Like you press the up, down, left, right, or you know a button to whatever that kind of layout is, the HUD layout is. But whereas on the mouse and keyboard, you haven't really got that, and it feels really jarring to sort of change your weapons. Hmm. Sure, you can use the numbers at the top here, like a traditional first-person is software game. But it kind of felt. I ended up just plugging a pad in, and again for a, a, an id software game that wasn't PC-led and you prefer a gamepad, you can kind of see why the sales <laughs> yeah. are so low on PC. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you're overwhelmed by the, you know, the, the mutants, the bandits, and the authority in the game, uh, you'll find yourself... Uh, I, I quite like this idea. Yeah, me too. Because uh, it, it gives you a kind of a second chance of, you know, um, you know, if you go down once, you can uh, defibrillate yourself, and you, know, you press the button at the right time, and you bring yourself back, and it'll kind of score you on how well you, um, you timed your button press. And it gives you another chance to kind of get back into the action. Um, and, you know, it, like, so, so first-person shooters, they are kind of monotonous. If you die, you, there's a, very rarely when I die in a first-person shooter, and am I happy and overjoyed to play the same section over and over again. <laughs> yeah. So I'm quite relieved that, you know, some games are willing to make up a story bit of you know a nonsense to go actually you can bring yourself back to life and give you a bit of a breather because if you do if you do it well enough it kind of shocks the enemies around you um anyone else a fan of the defibrillator um i don't mind the concept um Hmm. like i say if a game's aware it's a video game and it puts video gamey things in like that Hmm. and and it does it well um, then, I've, then I've not got a problem with it. It, it did make me laugh that there's an advert on television at the moment with a guy um, for Foster's beer, and he's he's dressing up as loads of different outfits, and in one he, he dresses up as a paramedic, and he says to someone, he says, "Oh, you know, I I, I resuscitated myself once," and I just start laughing because I just think, you know, um, makes me just think that's such a video game sort of thing, especially with rage. Mm. 
mm-hmm. um, using the defibrillators on yourself. Um, yeah, it, it, it's it really is such a video game element to put in there. Um, loses any sense of realism if you want to you know use the term realism for what Rage does. But yeah, I, I can absolutely forego it. You know, I have issues with the other stuff where it it doesn't sell the whole. Um, authenticity of that world but yeah as a self-revive I, I can forgo that if it's done correctly you know there's nothing worse than ones where you can constantly keep doing it so yeah i can see the defibrillator kind of um again much like the whole of rage as a design concept kind of grating against traditional pc players you know kind of regenerating health and you know bringing yourself back to life kind of isn't what people are looking for in an software game and yeah you know I'm kind of surprised that I'm so lenient on it and I kind of like the novelty of it. But, you know, m- maybe the 16-year-old Darren will be like, what, you can bring yourself back to life? That's not the software <laughs> I know. But, you know, yeah. maybe I'm just... But I'm, I'm, I'm a watered-down version of myself now at the age of, uh, you know, 30. <laughs> but, um, yeah, alongside the defibrillator, you have uh, a whole host of weapons that, um, you know, it's not perfect dark roster in terms of like a million guns that you can fit all in one pocket <laughs> you know you've got a modest amount of guns and weapons that are very you know it kind of breaks the mold in some ways with this uh, kind of crossbowish thing that you get from dan hagar hagar um but you also get the traditional kind of shotgun and the sawn off shotgun and your pistol and your kind of your your, your ak-47 from what looks like it it's kind of a very rattly tattly kind of gun and it kind of fits the wasteland uh, wasteland quite perfectly um have we got any gun favorites i mean shotgun is it's kind of an obvious choice um but i really like that bow that you get given and i kind of i kind of hope to see it again in a future game because it was kind of like each gun each weapon has um a variety of like different uh, bullet types and this kind of uh you know the pistol's got i think on a fat boy where you can just rip through armor and it's really satisfying and it sounds brilliant to shoot but this kind of uh this this crossbow thing has a uh, kind of a you know a few bolt variants and it kind of reminded me of um Stranger's Wrath in the, not in the fact that you've got little critters sitting on your crossbow but they, they kind of do a similar thing in a different guise you know and I really appreciate variety like like Perfect Dark has uh, each gun has a secondary fire mode and that kind of brings new life to a gun that you know that is kind of well yeah a gun is a gun isn't it but once you press a button and it can turn into a uh, like a proximity mine that's brilliant in Perfect yeah, Dark that, I mean unlike Perfect Dark this is actually a pretty good shooter so um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's an id game, Darren. So the answer yeah. is shotgun. Uh-huh. It's, it, it's just the shotgun. That's what's the best gun in the game. Shotgun. It might as well be the only gun. Hmm. But yeah, they, they all feel solid. But I, I just love. I honestly, I, I absolutely adore the shotgun in this game. Well, for me, it's actually the sniper rifle. I really liked um, the 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 gunshot sound and on the sniper rifle is fantastic. It's just really heavy and loud mm. and. I like the uh, variable scope by, you know, just tapping A. Like, it's, it's such a weird thing that I think a lot of games don't use or a little bit more lately, but variable scopes, like, just without having to actually switch your scope, you can yeah. just aim right down and then just hit a button, zoom in, zoom out. Like, that's just perfect for me. And um, But the one gun that I really didn't like is the very first one you get, the pistol. It felt, mm. like, really weak to me, and that gunshot sound sounded like... Like, like you know, just really... It just felt kind of cartoony to me, and I didn't. I wasn't getting the kind of feedback that I wanted out of a out of a shooter. Like you know, 
these days when you shoot somebody and you're shooting a first person shooter, you're like, you'll get yeah. all types of different feedback. You'll see a little X hit their body or you'll hear like a kind of sound. Mm-hmm. And this, and in rage, it's kind of like you shoot them and you get that awesome animation of them reacting to it, but you don't get any kind of, I didn't really feel any kind of feedback out of, especially the pistol and really also with the assault rifle too. But man, that sniper rifle, especially if you pull off a headshot, man, oh, yeah. it looks and sounds awesome. So. Uh, yeah, the set, the settler pistol is pretty good. Um, I, well, for me, I, I you know it is a pistol, so you kind of it's a last resort, and sure, you do yeah, want more yeah. of a kind of a yeah, more of a kick. It, it kind of looks really, it looks good, like it's really yeah, chunky. It looks like yeah. a six shooter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it looks pretty, uh, pretty impressive, but yeah. Yeah, it doesn't really have the impact you would want. Kind of like the Doom pistol in a way, you know, it's mm-hmm. kind of there as a means yeah. to an end. Yeah. Um, uh, but oh, I did like the, the like I said the Fat Boy variant of the um, the uh, the ammo is pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, the striker crossbow for me is just yeah, like <laughs> I there's, there's there's things about bows in games that kind of work for me, and I can't really explain why. It's kind of like the shotgun, but in a different form. If you know what I mean, it kind of it kind of ticks a box for me um, that uh, I wasn't really expecting. Uh, it's pretty cool. So you know, you've got your wing sticks, which kind of when you're kind of panicking in the thick of it, you know, you'll you'll throw one of these and chop a head off. Um, but yeah, you've got. You know, you've got your usual roster of guns, and there's nothing really uh, breaking the mold here. But no. when when the games tried so many different things in different areas, do you really want them to start messing around guns, with yeah. the reason why you're here? No, <laughs> yeah. I'm right. Like, let, 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 let's yeah. keep the shooting, you know, mm. the same as it's always been. And um, I mean, that's not there, that's not a knock. That's the thing is, there's literally no guns in this game that we've not seen before uh, yeah, in, ter- in yeah. terms of weapons in, f- in fact their, u- their you know, quote unquote unique weapon the wing stick we've already mentioned was in another game yeah. <laughs> so yeah. uh, it's almost comical but when you do weapons as well as it have a history of doing weapons you mm-hmm. sort of give it a little bit of slack don't you because yeah there's you know the pistol might underwhelm but it still has its uses and it almost encourages mm-hmm. your uh, or at least adds the anticipation of getting the better guns. Yeah. Um, so, so, so there is that. But yeah, I think across the board, in in terms of shooting, it's very good. And you'd be disappointed if it software got that bit wrong, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if they did, if they did, this game would be really bad. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think that's why the review scores averaged at about eighty percent because yeah. at its core, you know, the reason of the weapons and the shooting kind of propelled the game. You know, higher yeah. in the in the higher ranks of uh, review scores. Yeah, I was just gonna say. I think the final gun that you get is a bit of a disappointment. Um, you get that kind of like what do they call it? The authority energy cannon or something like that. I don't know. Oh, but it's yeah, basically just like a re- like yeah, yeah, yeah. Authority pulse cannon. <clears throat> just felt a little bit disappointing to me, especially even they they call the ammo you get for it BFG rounds. Like it's clearly trying yeah. to you know reference back to the BFG and. To me, it doesn't really... It's not even remotely as memorable as any of the mm. BFGs from the previous games. Yeah, if you call it BFG rounds, you're kind of setting yourself yeah, up for yeah. something spectacular and it's just a bit of a dribble. Yeah. It's just like... <laughs> you're like, oh, okay, great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, like, I don't really remember much about the authority weapons at all, if I'm being completely honest. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, um, we'll, we'll roll straight into the enemies. Uh, on the end of these bullets that are coming out of your gun are the enemies. Um they, you know they do have a fair few variants which you mentioned earlier the bandits which have a few crews the mutants which are kind of like the, the staple but they kind of the one that surprised me the most 
Well, it, no, it shouldn't surprise me the most because it's a video game. Like you know, the more you play, the more serious the enemies get. But I was kind of surprised to see just how much the authority reminded me of the combine from Half Life Two. Mm, it's just yeah. like, yeah. oh, you've you've gone that route, have you? You know, the uh, <laughs> the very serious kind of looking armored. Uh, guys that are flanking you down, you know, and that's fine for them to do that, and I've got no real qualms against it. But I think the whole thing with Rage is that it fails to identify itself Definitely. with its own kind of you know yeah. stuff, and they, they keep borrowing from other games, yeah, yeah, um, as well as their own games. But the, the, the game for me, and this is uh, the enemies kind of highlight this, is that it fails to identify itself as a unique thing, and it's yeah, such a missed absolutely. opportunity because it is a new IP from right. its software. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the, what what was baffling to me was how they chose to make so many of the enemies different nationalities. Like you said, the very first enemies you run into are like overtly British. They got the mm-hmm. Union Jack, you know, paint face paint, and and they're all like, "All right, bye." Like you could tell it's like American <laughs> guys doing English voices, and then yeah. like later on, you got like the like the Native Americans, like. Like, like actually like going yay, 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 like screaming at you <laughs> and, then, yeah, good. and then there's like the Russian the you know the the James Bond villain group like it's just the gearheads it's yeah the gearheads it makes and like all of them are Russian all those other guys are all Native Americans all the guys you run into the first part are British it's like why is it so uh, stereotypical out of nowhere they're all less than a minute away from each other <laughs> the world's yeah, ended yeah. they're just congregated around this yeah. one rock it's, it's like, a very well, strange choice really <laughs> yeah um, you know I can't begrudge them from having a, a, an attempt at a variety of characters sure but yeah it, it kind of all feeds back into what we were saying earlier and that the, the, the realised wasteland isn't that well realized and you know mm-hmm. why why would they be so close to one another it's like yeah. surely it's the really last thing weird. on their mind is international travel after a, <laughs> a, you know a devastation like that oh yeah i'm just gonna yeah. go over to there and hide out with the, uh, the, with the russians who are also <laughs> with the uh, native americans nah, it just doesn't really doesn't really make a lot of sense to me no, it's really weird um yeah so you know the the authority are your end game enemies and you know you, you They've got little red dots in their helmets, and they're that's, kind of flanking you, you in a bad. group. <laughs> oh yeah, of course, yeah. Like you know, Half Life Two did it. We've got to borrow that, yeah, and um, you know, the, f- f- throughout this kind of quest line, uh, you know, you, you have a few bosses, but I can't really remember apart from a giant mutant. Yep, that's the only one I remember them. too. Yeah. Like any software game for me, like when you bump into an enemy that is a boss, you're like, oh god, like and mm-hmm. it'll destroy you, and then you'll end up encountering it as a regular enemy that's how these <laughs> games work in my head yeah. but for me I just can't remember anything about the bosses like no. Sean you played it most recently how yep. are you I th- <laughs> I, honestly like the only one I would even rate as an actual boss would be the that big giant mutant everything else was just like okay. you get to the end and there's just like a more armored version of the one of the guy you were fighting the millions of guys you were fighting earlier like the mutant that big giant mutant it's kind of neat looking boss fight you know it's throwing pieces of building at you and all that and that's all, mm. all kind of cool but you never see that kind of thing again that's the only time you see you kind of get glimpses of it earlier before you get up to that boss you see him like walking in the background or whatever but that's the only time there's ever any kind of build up to a boss and then a big giant fight against it so otherwise everything else was just really kind of bland yeah it's the same thing um you remember the big mutant in the outside area that's that's absolutely ginormous mm-hmm. is the only thing that i would even qualify as as a, a standout boss mm-hmm. um you know other than that 
the only enemies that stand out are, are the standard enemies uh, for how fun they are to fight. Mm-hmm. Um, bosses, they're, they're so inconsequential by that the, the big mutant. Uh, it definitely a missed opportunity. You know, you've you've got ra- you've got options to use radiation or whatever, and you can create all these incredible mutants and mm-hmm. an almost unlimited amount of things that you could do with it. With the authority doing what they do, or government. Um, operations on on people and yet nothing stands out a, a lot like the rest of the game you know we've mentioned the weapons we've seen and everything else the enemies don't look like anything we've not seen before there isn't really an ounce of originality to to rage um which is probably the most damning thing you could say about it especially from uh a id software who are pretty much a team of artists uh it, that comes off a little bit crazy but yeah in, t- in terms of bosses you've got one in like the middle of the game yeah it's a bit of a again a missed opportunity uh, i think if i was to free word review it it would be a missed opportunity um but you know all these things that you know the that are linked together it's all under the wrapper of still a very beautiful looking game you know the art to me and we said it earlier but like the art to me even on this kind of low-end computer now you know it software games always push my computer no matter when like i could buy a computer in five years time and still probably struggle to run raids and that's probably down to (laughs) i don't know reasons but like looking around at the environments and like the broken kind of you know the 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 civilization that once was is now being like torn from the uh, devastation like it still looks really good and but it's all all the good stuff to me that looks good is always kind of away from the player um you know the anything that looks close up it has that now it has this like a max Payne effect in which like it's like someone's got a sticker and they slapped it on a polygon and it just looks kind of a bit poo now (laughs) a bit rubbish it kind of looks a bit kind of like if you go back and play with the original max Payne, it has that very realistic looking texture but you can clearly see that it's been slapped on a thing and it's not perfectly wrapped around it like it's and it's only like the the finer, the smaller things in Rage that really stand out as a kind of a bit of a, oh, God, that doesn't look as good as the rest of the world. But mm-hmm. when you're looking off into the distance, you see like a bridge that's been shattered into pieces. It just looks really good and like the light beaming through yeah. it. And it, it, the art design and the visuals for me still stand up despite the kind of the few like, you know, uh, flaws and niggles that I've got here and there. Anyone else feel the same about the art design or do, or do you find it too brown? Yeah, yeah. I would, I would actually say, uh, definitely way too brown for me. But it, you know, mm. it it makes sense. You know, if the world was destroyed, it'd probably be pretty brown. But um, you know, up until this point, we'd had stuff like Fallout, and I think even Borderlands and Borderlands both one and two actually, I think, had come out. And to me, like that was kind of my reference point going into this. And Fallout <clears throat> was pretty gray and green as well but you at least had like you'd come around a corner and you'd see this big giant monument or something like that and you're like oh i gotta go there and check that out and that i've never had that kind of moment in rage like just the stuff that i saw all looked like kind of what i expected from a post-apocalypse like it all felt like you know my first post-apocalypse kind of thing you had like the (laughs) you know the building made out of uh pieces of cars you know or pieces of ships you know it's all it all all looked like it looked good but it wasn't anything again as we've said time and time again throughout this podcast for me wasn't anything new so it didn't really impress me i guess as much unfortunately it it falls short on its scale um again the scale continually hurts it you know you mentioned you see something in like fallout 
um, or even maybe something Borderlands uh, to to a lesser degree, but but still yeah, relevant. Lesser, for sure. Um, yeah. Is is that Rage can't do land? It can't do landmarks because uh, there's there's nothing to, enough to differentiate one area from another. Um, you know, it, it it it's all essentially happening in the same town. Well, you know, what what does that matter? Landmarks only matter when you're going a, a huge distance away and draws the eye, and you go, "I want to go there." Um, so yeah, in terms of that, it really hurts. But on the flip side, the game absolutely shines the moment that you hit an in, an internal environment. Yeah, definitely. Because that's that that's when it can really sort of let go. Um, you know, and and we mentioned that the the cliffs and the rocks and and all that is is spectacular in in Rage, and I believe all that still holds up. It's hurt more by the console versions with its lack of um, anti aliasing and, and whatnot, um, and it, it uses all sorts of tricks like. It the lighting isn't necessarily all real lighting. It bakes a lot of shadows on here and there, so it constantly gives that mood effect, regardless um, of what's happening and 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 stuff like that. And it's again been superseded by the Mad Max game that got released in 2015, which is the most obvious comparison to something like this because this is essentially Mad Max. That's what they've gone for with the vehicles and the towns and whatnot. Uh, and that game has a huge scale where you're driving for ages on this on this massive map. And um, it, it's it's weird because you can use a lot of games as weapons to sort of point and poke holes in rage and the, and the flaws in, in where it goes and it, it doesn't leave this game a whole lot for areas in which to shine and you know I, I don't want to keep you know beating this you know this dead horse about this game really stands out on its first person shooting and that that is at its core where it absolutely flies the rest of it if you're looking for an ounce of originality it is not to be found in this game because um You'll be, you know, it's got comparisons up the wazoo, and you you will not struggle to name a game that has done something either better or more artistically, or that that's more memorable, etc. And, and and that sort of sucks for sure. Um, I feel like we're just going to say the same things again and again, yeah. but <laughs> yeah. we yeah. have to we have to cover the sound design, which the and the music that you know, I can't really remember apart from the main menu theme being quite kind of. You know, uh, it kind of reminds me of the um, Starcraft 2 in a way, that kind of hillbilly-ish, I hate to use that word, but I can't remember <laughs> the actual phrase, that kind mm-hmm. of southern kind of twang, it's got yeah, that, yeah. It, you know, if, if I was to visit its software in Texas, I'd imagine that music to be playing at any one time, that <laughs> yeah. kind of, I, I love it, and it reminds me of Starcraft 2, uh, uh-huh. kind of, but that was more of a space truckery, um, firefly kind of vibe, but again, this game, in terms of sound, doesn't stand out enough from the crowd it doesn't it fails to identify itself and even listening back to the um ost on youtube i was just like i don't remember this track i don't remember this track no. well, when was this happening and you know a, a game doesn't need music to be you know a good game but it can definitely help if it's done right and here it's just like i don't remember anything about the songs or the music or anything like that it, was just it a uses bit. music to fill background areas uh for the sake of progression because if you didn't have any filler music it would feel really hollow and empty and it's more it's more there purely for a sense of atmosphere than than anything that's gonna you know catch and get stuck in your head and and stick with you um 
for me, it's nothing that's offensively bad or poor. It's just nothing that's spectacularly good or great. It, it's merely there. Yeah, you know, and that's kind of a shame from the guys who brought you. It's so hard not to compare it to. Yeah, and even Quake with Nine Inch Nails, like it's it's hard not to compare them because it is the same group of people, and you know, I'm going to bring up the 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 Perfect Dark reference again. Like when I played Perfect Dark Zero, like you know, that I've got a lot to say about that game. But the one thing I could say about the music is that it reminds me of games from previous that they've made it, you know it has the similar flow and vibe of those composers whereas mm-hmm. here it's just like I, uh, yeah oh god i couldn't even tell you yeah. anything about it which is a shame which is a shame but it is serviceable and i, th- I think if if i'm going to run a comparison and i'll run it now rather than in a wrap-up at the end is that if you want to hear a discussion on a solid shooter which this is this, this is a good example of it but if you want to hear the difference between what a solid and a, you know, a spectacular shooter are, listen to something like the Wolfenstein, the New Order, which, you know, is on the same engine. There's, mm. You know, there's a lot of comparisons to be made between Rage and the New Order. And despite breaking it down, you'll hear the differences between where we're a bit negative on stuff on here and why we're positive on it in there and, and why. And for me, when I'm talking about Rage now... The Wolfenstein, the New Order, and, and the Old Blood are the games that are going to come to mind for me. Mm-hmm, and definitely, it, it, it's weird because I don't even want to say that Rage is a game of its time because it was only five years ago. Dark Souls mm. got released the same day, and people still play that religiously. Yeah, uh, definitely. So you can't even necessarily point it at, at, at its time of release. It just missed a lot of notes. You know, it was. That, that that's all that's all I can say and it's I don't want to, to, to be seen as hating on this game. I actually really quite like Rage, but there's a lot of things that you know could do better. <laughs> well, speaking of things that you can do better, this game has a multiplayer which has a whole disc <laughs> dedicated towards it. Oh Darren, uh, come on, let's talk about something good. <sighs> I, I, I don't know I can I can't service you there, I'm afraid, because the multiplayer in this game is a four player car combat. Um, game in which no one I know played or enjoyed it and I know Cole got you got all the achievements um, I played it yeah but from my, my my expectations going in was like right I've played the single player let's check out the multiplayer I was expecting a twisted metal I was expecting you know a, a vigilante eight you know those kind of car combat games but what I got was a very kind of limited version of that and it, I think it held my attention for about three games, and you I was just like, "You got Mario Kart," is what you got. Yeah, like the, the battle hey, mode the, for Mario Kart. Um, you know, it, I, I mean, it was better than Mario Kart Eight, but um, battle mode. I'll give it. I'll give it that. But uh, it was it? A, a yeah, Mario Kart Eight battle mode is terrible. But uh, yeah, Rage's mm. multiplayer was actually not what I wanted at all. And um, no, it's the the game's strongest shoot is its moment to moment gunplay <laughs> and there's none of that because it uses the vehicles which you know, there's nothing offensively wrong with the way that the vehicles handle you know the, the vehicles handle okay they've yeah, got their right, own yeah. style the gun combat's okay there's nothing necessarily bad it's just again right down the middle of the road nothing original and the fact that it was four players well, that, for me that's not enough even at launch no one was really playing it even on the xbox 360 which kind of highlights the fact that it's not really what people wanted and interest in. It got abandoned to a third disc, 
um, on the on the Xbox 360 release, and I believe it was three discs on PC as well. But I'm not. I assume you probably had to install all three anyway. And on the PS3, it was on a Blu-ray regardless, so that didn't really matter. But I guess people didn't really want to put their third disc in only for the multiplayer. The you know the the the, the maps that you would play on were just you know how many times can you race it in an open valley? It's you know, Motorstorm on, Motorstorm on the PS3 was kind of fun, but you did kind of get sick of seeing that level of brown. Um, and it's it's just why they didn't go for the first-person route, I don't know. Or just drop the multiplayer altogether. Again, to reference Wolfenstein, the new order, you don't need a multiplayer to stand out. You really mm. don't. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was a really strange choice. It was... The whole Mario Kart route in Rage, and it was not as good as the gunplay in Rage, or as good as any of the kart combat in any number of kart combat video games. the The frustration for me was the lack of kind of variety and options. Um, when I heard that it was going to be a car combat, you know, focused game, I I immediately assumed that I'd be chased in a buggy by you for example and then yeah. when I pull up to a building I can get out my car and run in there and then we start playing Doom and Quake and it's like yeah jump pads and rocket jumping and stuff like that I kind of expected the best of both worlds and I keep referencing Hannah Montana because like every time I say best of both worlds that song plays in my head like Miley Cyrus stuff but I kind of want the best of both worlds for, for rage like I want to get in a building pick up a, sh- yeah. a, a rocket launcher look out a window and just obliterate someone's uh, buggy kind of like how Halo does it you know like when you see a guy in a warthog hung and you're like right you're going down mate because you, you've got out your vehicle you've risked yourself to get this massive weapon and you're going to use it to blow up another person's car whereas Rage is just like nah you're just in a car mate and you're just going around cut off from the main game you're like wow thank, thanks for that let's never let's never speak uh, of this again shall we the thing, the, the, thing, the thing why it hurts so much is that anyone who plays it can see how much potential is there yeah. you know the animation's right, the gun combat's right, the world is so close to being right, it's just not big enough. Uh, the engine is great for it. It's There's nothing there that's, that seems to necessarily hold it back other than the developer's vision for what it should be. And, you know, what you mentioned there sounds like an incredibly fun multiplayer. You know, you, you referenced, you know, Battlefield can do the vehicles and person uh, combat and, and Halo does it. In fact, Halo would have been a really great reference point for the size of uh, levels and environments to mm. traverse for the single player. But, you know, we, we can... I think we all pretty much herald Halo quite highly for a lot of things that it does with its design philosophy um, throughout the many years that we've been doing this podcast now. Um, and uh, if we got a Rage 2, I'd be super excited for it for, because you think, well, you know, if they get the things that they just missed on Rage 1, hmm. we might get something special if they ever did a Rage 2. But yeah, the multiplayer is such a wasted opportunity because, you know, it, in the space of 30 seconds, you've described a better game than Ridge was in yeah. multiplayer yeah uh, the game also has a co-op uh, Wasteland Legends which are tales of the kind of tales from the main game uh, put into uh, you know a co-op mode and that's quite cool you know I kind of like the idea yeah. of people telling these stories in the wasteland and then they've realised in front of you in two player uh, what you end up with is kind of just more of the same and you end up running through the same environments and doing the same kind of things which is a shame uh, again it's kind of a, a missed opportunity to do something completely yeah. incredible and um, 
you know, if you heard a story, you know, oh, Dan Hagar, I saw him running through the wasteland, he did this and that and this, and then you were that character in that, you know, in that scenario, kind of weirdly, it reminds me, this is going to be such a weird link, but in ISS on the N64, you had these scenarios and you were like, in, in, in the real life, like England were down 4-0 and you had to come back and do the thing to make it yeah. win 5-4. Like, in Rage, if you were to hear of some guy getting taken down, oh yeah, and he did this, that and this, and then you ended up changing the shape of how the story played out by, you know, making the person survive or whatever. You know, again, like, just little things like that that could make the story just a little bit interesting, a little bit more interesting or, you know, uh, mm redeeming at all i just kind of hope for a bit more player interaction and and just yeah there's there's nothing that changes the experience of how those levels would be in single player to how they are in co-op there's there's nothing that stands out that makes you feel well this is a great co-op experience this has to be what co-op is and you know in fairness this game we've seen a lot of games since like the likes of destiny the division that have really started to really go at what things that uh, to really have a go at co-op gameplay and what can be done and again uh, that's a great reference point if we ever got a rage too but you know you expect things like a player has to go over there and do a very specific set of tasks so that the other player can do this and mm. yeah and and it's just not it's like at no point do any of those levels feel like an entirely different experience um, to the single-player campaign of Rage. In fact, they actually feel worse because they're so sort of washed out um, of the polish and care that, that was at least attempted in the missions in Rage. Hmm. Uh, the, the game had some downloadable content. Uh, you got a f- If you had the Anarchy edition, you had the free Wasteland sewer missions, which are kind of how it... How it sounds, you know, there are various kind of sewer hatches around the world, and there's a guy who stands next to him and goes, "Oh, you don't want to go down there. It's quite dangerous down there." But it turns out it's it's just more of the <laughs> same kind of, you know, enjoyable shooting in a in a quite look good looking environment. Uh, but it doesn't really break the mold. Um, you did get the Scorchers, which focused on a you know a whole new kind of gang uh, called, called called the Scorchers, and it was surprisingly it was four hundred marks of points, or you know the equivalent of in Earth pounds dollars which i don't really know the price of but you know i was quite surprised to see that kind of price point coming out for you know a chunk of content that i you know i picked up day one and i remember enjoying it thinking all right yeah that 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 happened all right cool and then that was it i kind of never really thought about it since but again because the shooting is fun in rage i didn't you know regret my decision to buy the content it was it was it was serviced you know in in what i wanted and uh, yeah, I, I, you know, you get a new weapon in there as the nail gun, and you get to see a new, um, you know, you get new quest lines and new areas and stuff. But yeah, you know, for 400 points, well done. Like, if that was more rage, and that's probably, you know, if it was any longer, I'd probably feel a bit fatigued by it, I guess. But I remember just going through it and going, yeah, yeah, I liked rage, yeah, and then just finished with it. Um, yeah, so we're gonna listen to some feedback. Well, one piece of feedback from the community. Um, you know probably kind of telling really because the, the way we spoke about it isn't entirely well isn't entirely negative but at the same time it's kind of it's just a bit like eh. you know to had to, to i honestly wasn't expecting any so i thank you uh user on the forum deadpool negative he says i played a bit of rage before the podcast to reacquaint myself with the game and i came away with some of the same feelings i did when i first played it for the first time not long after release it's a game that looks great and plays well with some fine mechanics but it fails to distinguish itself and its world as some place memorable i'll try to elaborate 
When I booted it up again, I discovered my initial playthrough was a little over 12 hours. I was surprised at this because I could have sworn that it was at most 7 or 8 hours. Rage creates the initial impression of a big star world, but the main questline is disappointingly linear. <clears throat> the protagonist is uh, awoken from a deep sleep and thrown into a world he knows nothing about, yet somehow adapts to it very easily and sets, and sets out as the long hope to free the land from tyranny. Um, the setup is distressingly uh, generic and the supporting characters so thin that a lot of it slipped from my memory. It's not that the familiar elements are bad per se, it's that there's barely any flavour. The only side character who makes an impression is Sarah Hagar, Hagar and you have to buy the DLC for her to show up. You're the hero, the authority is the bad guy, that's pretty much it. In fact, I began to question why the authority was so gung-ho on controlling the wasteland and stockpiling mutant weapons because there didn't seem to be much worth controlling. The comic book and novel tie-ins didn't really add much to the, um, the story either. This contributed to a feeling that I had spent less time on the game than I actually did, given that it goes by so quickly. I often wonder if the original premise for Rage was conceived sometime in the 80s. The origins feel like it's steeped more in Mad Max than Borderlands. <clears throat> it's actually not hard to imagine the story set after a US-Soviet nuclear exchange, with the authority putting its boot on the wasteland to wage war once again. But enough about the story, as I said, Rage has solid mechanics. I'll start with the most important addition, the wingstick. At first I thought it would be just like throwing a knife, but no, it controls slickly and once you get the hold of it, it can be incredibly lethal. It's satisfying when beset by several enemies to fling out a wing stick, uh, to fling out a wing stick and watch one bad guy's head fly off while you pump a load of bullets in another. All the guns feel differently enough and the frenetic pace of the battles can get under the player's skin. Oftentimes early on I find myself attacked by an enemy so quickly that I'd find I was still shooting them as they were falling. The green, A indicate, the green A icon indicating I have a chance to loot. The game's combat areas are almost always claustrophobic corridors and buildings which works well. However, enemy variety felt sparse to me. The tactics were often either run right at the player or walk methodically at the player. There's a lot of fun side weapons to use, including the RC car, but often it's more economical just to use the gun and windstick combo. Eventually, combat becomes routine, and even the final state, and even up to the final stage, the game is simply spamming you with enemies. A few words about car combat. I found the car combat to be well done and controlled fine, but the problem to be was there didn't seem to be enough of it. Or to put it another way, you'd think that given that it's the only multiplayer mode, the car combat would feature more importantly in the main campaign. In the middle of writing all this rambling, I think I finally targeted my issue with Rage. On paper, this game seems to have everything going for it. A fantastic developer with a great track record, amazing controls, fantastic production values, a fine game engine, a world that looks amazingly detailed and animated and could probably stand with this generation, despite the fact it's nearly five years old on paper. While there was a tremendous amount of effort and skill going into Rage, it feels like there was, there was precious little heart that went into it. It doesn't have the personality that Wolfenstein, Doom or Quake does, or even Doom 3. I finished it and I felt empty. Compared to something like Wolfenstein The New Order or Borderlands 2, it, quite, it can't quite grab my imagination. Despite my disappointment, I wouldn't mind seeing the world of Rage again. I may not have many firm memories of it, but those memories are mostly pleasant. Yeah, um, well said, even if it was poorly read by me. Thank you very much, Deadpool Negative. We have uh, some free word reviews. Kiyomi said, textures are still loading. Nick says, wingsticks are class. Daniel Millwood, it's so pretty. Ray Preka said, so much brown. David Merritt, 
says, not angry, disappointed. Alex Rowley, bit crap, really. <laughs> Steve Hask said, post fallout, insipid. Dylan Lee, where is Claptrap? And Tim from Minor Software said, <laughs> a very abrupt which is nice. um, I left I left the ending discussion to this three word review um, purely because you know it, a very abrupt uh-huh. and, you know, is, is is such a great way to kind of it's seal probably, this podcast that's up. Probably one of my very favourite three word reviews. <laughs> it, it's, yeah, it's very clever. Uh, but yeah, the ending to this game, <laughs> as Tim described, it is very abrupt and it just kind of just leaves. It just you happens. Can't, it just happens. Yeah, and I'll be even in the book. It, it's the same thing. You get to that area in the book and it just goes. It's, it's finished, and you're like, oh, what? What? So for me, it wasn't a surprise, but I can totally see why people were just like, "What have they done?" It's almost like, like Deadpool Negative said in the, um, in the, you know, his, his thoughts. It's kind of they just couldn't be bothered. There was no heart, and it's just like, all right, just stop <laughs> yeah. it, just cut it off now, and let's release it. Yeah, it felt like it was the it was the level before the ending. Like it's the, it's the whole setup of you're gonna go, uh, what is it? Release all the other survivors from the other arcs, and then you're all gonna team up against the authority. Hmm. But you just see them releasing the arcs. <laughs> like like yeah. there's a whole final level that should have been there, or at least a whole yeah. another couple hours honestly that should have been there but it's clearly a setup for a sequel that doesn't look like we're ever going to get so it's it's not even a great setup for a sequel it's like it's the epitome of one of those things where you completely go that that wait that that's that's it yeah (laughs) right right okay after this cutscene, we're going to continue please oh (laughs) hang on we're on the credits right we're going to get post credit hang on that's the start screen (laughs) it's just like it's really bizarre in how they do it it's it's the video game equivalent of writing a book and going chapter 29 the end yeah (laughs) so it's just yeah uh, it's really hard to say anything remotely positive about the ending of this game um it got torn apart everywhere i don't think i've read a review that references the ending and says anything remotely positive about it and i haven't experienced it it's not hard to understand why it it, it it's crazy bad design yeah it, it, you know it doesn't it doesn't end at the end it kind of ends halfway through the beginning of the end you know it's kind of like all right yeah let's activate these things oh and suddenly the camera's panning out and we can <laughs> sort of see a few things happening but why aren't i a part of it and that's kind of you know, one of the most criminal things games can do mm. is kind of offer you <laughs> in Quantum Break a game uh, that uses cutscenes a lot. Uh, they they yeah. they entice the player with more exciting things than the games actually do. <laughs> yeah. And so for for the you know for this rage ending to sort of show you what you should be a part of is a bit like, all right, cheers for that. <laughs> yeah, nice <laughs> yeah. one. You know, you yeah. kind of felt like you were you to be like the leader of the revolution or you know the uprising yeah. of. Yeah. other survivors and you know like you say it should have been and maybe an extra, an extra hour or two of content but yeah it's like they just got a massive cleaver and just went bosh there's the end all right yeah. see that up and <laughs> let's, just, let's just have it done it's a shame yeah. um it is a shame indeed but uh you know uh, it's memorable in that respect i guess <laughs> yeah, it's, it's wow. memorable for being completely <laughs> yeah completely plop mm, yeah ah. so there we are there, there are we are going to move on to our summaries of uh, rage but i'll be surprised if we say anything we haven't said already um for me you know uh, rage is at its core you know 
uh, it is an id software game at its heart and it is kind of you know it's still beating under there you know as soon as you pick up a gun you will start understanding why this game was you know it, people reckon this game was in development hell but f- as we said earlier it kind of felt like it was just a long time in in the making and uh, mm. it, you know it really wasn't it kind of came out and you can see why it did eventually come out because there is a game there worth playing it's just surrounded by brown and by that I mean poo and also you know art as well it's kind of it's all just kind of bland and a bit pooey on the outside but once you get in there it's actually quite good fun and there's a, there there is a, re- a redeeming game to be played and um, yeah it's just a shame that the bridges connected to you know the the safety of the islands is kind of a rickety bridge and it's kind of like oh god here comes the rubbish bit again oh, am i gonna survive am i gonna eject this disc and uh, leave it but luckily the game doesn't do enough in the bad category to put you off playing it well for me anyway like it doesn't know it manages to keep you on by a thread until the next bit and you're like yes okay here we go let's 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 do the fun stuff and then you end up back on a little tightrope to the next bit and luckily you know you end up uh, playing a you know a a solid game that's um i can't really recommend it though that's the thing like (laughs) in 2016 we've had so many good shooters that why would you say go and play rage unless you were kind of a, a you know a devout id software fan that somehow missed it you know you you'd play it out of curiosity but I can't really just say look this game does something extraordinary over other shooters now because you know I'd rather point them towards Wolfenstein in New Order Carl yeah I mean it, it's Wolfenstein the New Order is the obvious link you know it, it's an established id franchise and it's a rather spectacular game for many reasons all of where Rage fell short but uh, we've mentioned time and time again on this podcast that perhaps the worst thing a game can do is just be, you know, unoffensively average. You know, it, it something can stand out for being bad and be memorable, or something can stand out for being exceptional and be memorable, but, you know, perhaps the worst thing a game can do is not be memorable at all for anything, and, and so much of Rage sort of fills that criteria. And a, a, a game I would like to draw a comparison to would be Bulletstorm, which... You know, it stands out. It had a uh, an, an interesting combat system. It had a pretty poor story. It had some really crass language. Uh, it, you know, it sold itself on some things that were perhaps um, to certain people's tastes, but not my own. And yet, it's a really memorable game. And the core of that game is it's a first person shooter and the combat isn't as good as Rage so why is that game more memorable than Rage and that is purely that Rage just falls short in so many areas where it had a chance to really stand out and stamp its authority that said unlike Darren I would recommend people play it because for all the things that disappoint me about this game and discussing it now uh, with, with you guys I'm probably more negative on it than I ever thought I really was, but I've just been nothing but honest. Hmm. I do truly believe that the combat animation and how the AI interact with you as you're playing through it, um, from how they duck and hide for cover, how they uh, appear out of the world, um, because you know there's, there's stuff all over the place. They can appear uh, due to high levels of verticality out of sewer. Uh, pipes or you know out between the rafters and stuff it is it's fascinating when you're going through those worlds and when you shoot them and they you know start 
been knocked off their animations and they sort of dynamically recover themselves is probably best in class and that's five years on at least that's one area where for me i can genuinely say look that's where rage really stands out and should should be remembered for and the fact that you can pick this game up for so cheap now and you know i've seen it going for second hand for uh three pounds and that's recently I think for £3, just to experience that level of combat and uh, and animation and interactivity with the environment, it's absolutely worth checking out. Um, just don't go into it expecting any of the areas where we've all been pretty unanimously critical of it to stand out for you because, um, you know, if it does, great, but I just, you know, don't go in with high, high hopes of uh, being surprised outside of the combat. Hmm. Sure. I feel exactly the same. You can tell that there was so much, um, so much talent and money behind Rage. Like it looks pretty good, and you know the pedigree behind it. You know John Carmack and and Id. You know, and just but to come out kind of just so blasé about it. Like this is not what I expected from you know the box size. I said in the beginning of the show from the creators of Doom and Quake. Like these are significant franchises and significant developer and rage is by itself is just pretty insignificant honestly um but i do like you said carl i really do love the ai of uh of the enemies in this game and i'd really like to see if they uh bring that into uh the new doom 2016 you know doom Doom, it's weird how it looks, the new Doom kind of looks uh, generic in comparison to old Doom games, but it at least has a bit more, it looks at least a little bit more inspired than Rage was, so I'm kind of curious to see if they fixed all that, all the complaints that we've had about how, you know, visually, while it's impressively done, there's no kind of like soul behind it, Um, so maybe there's a little, I would like to see them keep that AI and combat focus, but also fix all the uh, generic kind of things that we saw. So, but yeah, as you said, it's also like, I think I only got it for five bucks in a steam sale. Like you could do worse with $5, <laughs> which isn't really the best uh, uh, review, <laughs> but you know, if, if, if you, if you're not really playing anything at the time and, and you got five bucks, why not? But um, otherwise, I'd say, yeah, might as well just give it a pass and wait for Doom. Hmm. Well, there we go. <clears throat> uh, I'd like to thank Carl Moon and Sean O'Brien for you know, accompanying me on this three-man journey through the discussion of Rage. And next time on issue 221, we are going to talk about Gunstar Heroes. Are you a Gunstar Hero? No, didn't think so. I am. <laughs>